You're listening to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm fitness and nutrition expert Maddie Moon, here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation, thrivation, and self-appreciation. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Episode 32 is going to be one of the best yet because today we have a guest joining us that really needs no introduction at all. Drew Manning, a natural fitness junkie and devoted personal trainer, had never been overweight in his entire life. His clients, on the other hand, ranged in weight as well as motivation. Drew had a difficult time understanding why they couldn't seem to make the same kind of progress he himself had experienced and why they continued to crave junk food, something Drew had never had a problem with. In his attempts to understand the psychological aspects of weight loss and junk food, Drew decided to do something pretty drastic. For six months, he radically let himself go. He stopped exercising and ate nothing but the typical American diet of fast and processed foods. Not surprisingly, he ended up gaining 75 pounds and found himself sharing his story nationally on Good Morning America, The Dr. Oz Show, and The Tonight Show. After gaining weight, Drew devoted the next six months to losing the weight as quickly as he gained it. What started as a physical challenge became an emotional and mental wake-up call as he set out to become fit again. In his book, Fit to Fat to Fit, Drew reveals the practical takeaways and profound insights of his year-long journey. With honest stories, Drew shares his vulnerable experience with everybody that is willing to listen. It's such a treat to have you on the show today, Drew. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Madeline. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is amazing. Like, honestly, I reached out not thinking I was going to get a response. And the fact that y'all immediately, like within a couple days, were just like, yeah, we're game. Let's do a podcast. It was, I was just on cloud nine. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know. it's on, I'm excited to be on and I love sharing my story, to be honest with you. I bet. So tell us a little bit about like, how did you get this idea in the first place? Give us some background and insight. Sure. Yeah. Let me give you a little bit of uh, background about myself. So at this time, this was back in 2009, I was working actually full-time in the medical field. Uh, I was something called a neuromonitoring technician. I know no one's ever really heard of that. But anyways, I was doing that full-time and I was doing personal training part-time. And I've always had a passion for fitness my whole life. I've always liked being in shape. I grew up playing sports. And uh, you know, I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters and we were all very active. And uh, so I never once had a struggle with my weight. And so uh, as a personal trainer, I kind of had a difficult time relating to my clients who most of them were overweight, right? And they struggled with, you know, food addiction or lack of motivation. And yeah, I'll be honest, it became really frustrating when they would tell me, you know, Drew, I just, you know, I had another soda. I know you told me not to drink it, but I, you know, I just gave in. It was too hard. Or, you know, hey, Drew, I didn't do the workouts you told me to do last week. And I would get so frustrated, like, well, why is it so hard for you? Just don't drink the soda. You know, go to the gym like I tell you to. It's so easy. Why don't you just do this? And you'll see results. And it, it just became really frustrating for me. And then they would look at me and say, well, you know what, Drew, you don't understand because you've been in shape your whole life and it's easy for you. And so there was this kind of disconnect between me and my clients. And that's where the idea of Fit to Fat Fit kind of started. 
So did you ever think that it was going to get quite as big as it did? Or did you think it was just going to be a personal experiment? No, I had no idea this, uh, this idea would get the kind of attention that it has. You know, uh, when I started this, I had no media connections. Um, and I didn't even know how to start a website. You know, I had to teach myself how to create a website <laughs> to document this. Um, and so, you know, I thought maybe the local news might pick it up, but I had no idea it would explode into what it is today, become its own brand. And, you know, this is what I do full time now. So, yeah, I feel very blessed and fortunate that it's, uh, it's, gone to, it's gotten to that. Yeah, I bet. I mean, like, it's absolutely huge. And it was just such a fascinating thing for me to come across because I never could imagine someone putting themselves out there like that. And like people, the way I see it, a lot of people, when they finally reach this physical ideal that they've been trying to achieve, it really becomes a part of them. And, you know, they love it and they don't want to lose it. And like for you, before you started this experiment, did you ever find part of your identity in your body and like that physical perfection that you had achieved and have to let that go in order to start gaining the weight? Or was that fairly easy to just take on and say, I'm just going to, I know I can get this back. I'll get it back eventually. What was going on in your mind? Yeah, it was not easy at all. I was uh, your typical uh, obsessed fitness person that loved the six pack, loved the beach muscles. Um, you know, I, 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 my body was a big part of my identity, um, and it, it always has been my whole life. And so, it did freak me out the idea of letting myself go, becoming overweight for the first time in my life. Um, just because you, you know, for 31 years of my life at the time, I had always been in shape. You know, I never really struggled with. Uh, you know, having man boobs or love handles or things like that. And so, and no, I was, <laughs> I was scared to death at this time to let myself go because of how obsessed I was. You know, my wife will always roll her eyes or she used to roll her eyes at me all the time when I'm, I would kind of pinch my fat, you know, and, th and say, you know, I haven't gone to the gym in two days. I think I need to go or, um, you know, those kinds of things where you become overly obsessed about your looks, you know. So, yes, it was a big part of my identity. Yeah, I bet. And then when you started like thinking about doing this and you told your wife, what did she say? Was she just like, what the heck? <laughs> That's a good question because she was actually pregnant at the time. And so it's kind of funny. Uh, you, something you need to understand about us is she is a foodie. She grew up a foodie. She's not a health nut like me. And so, and I do all the cooking and grocery shopping in her house. And so when I pitched this idea to her, she's like, you know, as she was pregnant, she's like, so you're telling me that there's going to be junk food in the house for six months. She's like, I'm okay with it. Let's do it. Um, because I was pretty strict, you know, about, you know, how I ate. Every once in a while I would give in, have a cheat meal. But I, for the most part, was really strict and kind of prided myself on that. Uh, but, yeah, she, you know, luckily she thought it was a good idea because she also saw me as that kind of robot of a, of a fitness person as far as, you know, um, you're overly strict. Does that make sense? Totally. And that's so funny. It's like perfect timing for you guys. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so so we're together. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about the psycholo psychological aspects of gaining the weight. When you mm -hmm. first started to watch your body change, like what was going through your mind? Any kind of thoughts of like, actually, I'm just going to let you, I'm not even going to ask a question, but <laughs> what kind of thoughts were you having? Yeah, that's a, no, that's, that's a good question. So it, it, there was this internal battle going on because I'll admit for the first month or two, it, there was this sense of freedom, like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. I could <laughs> go eat whatever I want to. I don't have to go to the gym. 
And, uh, you know, it was, you kind of had that sense of freedom at first. And for the first time I was like, man, this is pretty cool actually. But then on the inside, even though like the first week I ended up gaining, I think 12 pounds, which is ridiculous, right? A lot of water weight, most likely. Um, and, but anyways, inside I was freaking out like, oh my gosh, I feel so fat already. And I'm only 12 pounds into this. So I'm only one week into this journey. And, uh, so there was this internal battle of, man, this is fun, but oh my gosh, I can already feel disgusting. How am I going to feel, you know, 25 weeks from now? Uh, there was that internal battle going on, especially in the beginning. But then as time went on, did it just get a little <laughs> easier as you kept letting yourself go? A little bit. It's interesting. So as time went on, um, I did become more comfortable, but at the same time, little things started to become more difficult. Like when I started snoring at night, my wife didn't appreciate that. Walking up the stairs, I was out of breath very quickly, like within two months or so. I was. It's interesting how quickly your cardio goes. Um, and bending over to tie my shoes was a totally new experience. Or clipping my toenails, those two things I had to hold my breath for. And I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm like, why do I have to hold my breath to bend over and clip my toenails? I've never experienced that before. And so all that visceral fat building up made made it hard to breathe doing little tiny things and I had a you know my, my two-year-old daughter at the time had a ton of energy and I couldn't really keep up with her so very quickly after those two months of fun and freedom then it, I started to feel lethargic and sluggish and um, very quickly uh, my health was was uh, quickly gone in just the first probably two three months it was very noticeable and like what what was your diet like exactly just junk food from up till going to sleep Oh, that's a good question. No, so you know we've all seen Super Size Me, right? Where he eats McDonald's three times a day, and, and what I want to do was was something different because we all, I think most of us know fast food is not very healthy for us. I wanted to focus on everyday, typical American foods that we grew up on that some of us don't think is that unhealthy for us. So, um, you know, I ate five meals a day during this journey. Oh, probably six, uh, six meals a day. I would wake up, I would have you know cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast, some type of sugary cereal with a glass of juice and that was my typical you know American breakfast because that's what a lot of people eat a couple hours later uh, I probably have a granola bar and a Mountain Dew uh, you know soda was something I incorporated you know every single day <laughs> uh, for lunch was probably a couple peanut butter sandwiches on white bread so like peanut butter and honey or peanut butter and jelly just your cheap easy stuff that you can find at the grocery store right um, and then, uh, in between lunch and dinner was probably like a bag of chips and another Mountain Dew. Um, and then dinner was just your typical, you know, pasta, white pasta with marinara sauce and maybe meatballs or something. And then of course, you know, at nighttime you get a snack on something while you're watching TV. And that was usually another bowl of cinnamon toast crunch or, you know, maybe like ice cream or cookies, just, you know, what people snack on at nighttime after, you know, after the kids are in bed. <laughs> That's so fascinating. I could literally think of like 20 different people who have that exact same diet. <laughs> like Exactly. It was funny how many people emailed me saying, dude, you, ex you eat exactly how I eat. Like that's exactly <laughs> what I eat. And it was very eye-opening for a lot of people to see how quickly it changed my body um, in just a few months' time. So this is interesting because, I mean, there are so many different, like, nutritional debates going on and, like, this food is bad, this food is bad, this food is the only food you should eat. But, like, some people will say that, you know, sugar really doesn't make a big difference in your body. And then other people will say, you know, uh, if it fits your macros, as long as it's, like, fitting your, your macros, you're fine. 
And sure. this, what would you say is like the biggest factor to putting on all the weight? Was it mostly just like the entire lifestyle change, like not working out and then eating this kind of food? Or is it something kind of more pinpointed, like that massive amount of sugar you were consuming? Yeah, no, I'd say it was more pinpointed. Obviously, the lack of exercise isn't good. And no matter who you are, if you don't exercise, yeah, you're, you're going to you know become unhealthy. But <clears throat> for me... I attribute most of my weight gain to the types of foods that I was eating, which were um, refined sugars, highly processed carbohydrates. So things that maybe aren't technically sugar, like white bread or white pasta, but converts to sugar easily in the body. So simple sugars that spike your blood sugar levels, release a massive amount of insulin. And with that sugar spike, you get a a crash, which creates a vicious cycle because you crave those sugar spikes again and again and again. And you just keep, you know, releasing more and more insulin, which is a, a fat storing hormone, and uh, it just creates this vicious cycle. And so for me, that's what I attribute it to. Now, there's a lot of debate as far as, yeah, if it fits your macros. There's, yeah, I do believe that that works for some people, but at the same time, there's there's a difference here between weight loss and health. There's a lot of ways to get skinny that are unhealthy, and there's a lot of ways to get a six pack that are unhealthy. So just because you're skinnier, just because you have a six-pack, in my opinion, doesn't mean that you're necessarily healthy from a medical perspective. And that's kind of what my philosophy is now is, is focus on medical, your, your health first, and then weight loss or the six-pack will be a byproduct of living that healthy lifestyle over time. So stay away from the processed foods, refined sugars, no matter if you're an IIFYM or, or whether you're, you do vegan or gluten-free or paleo, you know, in, in general, there's two things you need to look at, your glycemic load and your nutrient density when it comes to health. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so. totally. And like for some people who stick to those things, they're not always going to end up with a six-pack. Yep, exactly. And is that something you've kind of had to like work with with your, you know, with your clients? Like maybe after watching uh, you go through this, they think they should be able to get a six-pack afterwards? <laughs> yeah, I see, I see what you're saying. Yes. Um, yeah, obviously some people think that if they, you know, eat the exact same way that I eat, they'll they'll get a six-pack and get down to 8% body fat and I tell people all the time different things work for different people. You know, there's uh, there's intermittent fasting, there's paleo, there's vegan, there's IFYM, there's so many different methods out there and uh yeah, some things work differently for different people, but my goal is to get people away from uh the looks, the outward appearance or the the scale weight and focus more on body composition. Uh, and also their health at the same time. So, and that's kind of ties into my philosophy of just because you're you have a six pack or just because you're skinny doesn't mean that you're necessarily healthy. So focus on health first, and then you know the 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 look that you're looking for will be a byproduct over time, possibly if you stay consistent with what you're doing and you take care of your health first. Um, but anyways, yeah. So it's kind of a a touchy subject because people want the look. But at the same time, like, well, how much are you willing to sacrifice for that look? Like, do you want to give up some of your health to look that way? And is it sustainable? Does that make sense? Hopefully I'm not going off on a tangent here. Oh, no, that makes so much sense. And, like, I'm, I'm just shaking my head over here because I'm just so glad that's your message because that's so, that's so true. And I think it's really cool that, like, your story, like, in, in most of your photos, you know, you have the picture of you 
with your six pack and you're super lean and then you know you're big and then you're lean again and that's like a really great way to catch people's attention because they're just like sure. what just happened and then <laughs> when they hear your message and when they when they learn the science behind it you're not just saying like this is how you get these looks you know you yeah. can get these looks quickly it's like that may catch their interest at first because they're like I want to look like that but then yeah. when they hear your message and they hear what goes on like when you're actually pursuing real health. It's not about the looks. It's about, you know, being able to play with your kids and like having healthy blood levels and eating nutrient dense yeah. foods. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough to get across because especially here in America, we love the next diet, the quickest way to lose the most amount of weight. We love we, our, our relation or we love hate our relationship with the scale. We like to see that number go down. We like to focus on our outward appearance, but really, ultimately, the key is to, to focus on health first, um, but it's tough because people see, you know, physique competitors or models, and they're like, oh, I want to look like that, and uh, they sacrifice their health, unfortunately, to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally. So. And like, so when you're going through this weight gaining process, your perspective on other people who have a lot of weight to gain, how did that change? I mean, sorry, a lot of weight to lose. Yeah, um, it, it definitely, well, throughout this whole process, it was a very humbling experience. And, and one of the things I took away from it was, was, how, um, was how much harder than I expected it to be. And so I gained a lot of empathy for people that are trying to lose weight. Um, and so it, it definitely changed my views because... Uh, before I'll admit, I was probably more of the judgmental person. Like, I can't believe that person's eating that. You know, look, look how big they are. I would think those things, but I would never say them out loud, right? But at the same time, um, I was probably your, your judgmental person. Whereas after going through this, I definitely realized, you know, it's one of the worst things you could do to judge somebody. You don't know their story. You could see someone that's maybe 300 pounds, and you have no idea that they just went through two years of hell to lose 100 pounds and they're still on their journey, right? And instead of looking at them like, oh my gosh, look how big they are, you know, who knows what their story is? None of us know, and until we realize that, uh, we'll just continue to judge based on looks, right? And think, oh, well, that person's fat, and, but without knowing their story. I mean, uh, that's definitely something that, that's changed my perspective personally after going through this. Yeah, exactly. And like, what happened with your relationship with your family? Uh, that's a good question. So even though this was an experiment, right, and I was doing this on purpose, it still had its effects on, you know, my relationship with my wife. Like, for example, the bigger I got, the lower my self-esteem was. Mm -hmm. uh, just because I was so used to being the fit guy, I was very confident going out in public, you know, in front of my wife, you know, uh, being naked in front of her, to be honest with you, uh, wasn't a problem. Now that I was bigger, <laughs> I had no idea how to deal with it uh, from a, a mental and emotional perspective. And so, you know, I did not like going out in public anymore because I knew people were going to look at me differently. I didn't like stepping out of the shower in front of my wife. I, you know, let's just say the lights were off a lot more. <laughs> um, but that's just, that was me. That was the way I looked at myself. She didn't care about me being overweight, to be honest with you. She's dated overweight guys before. It's, it's more about your confidence, right? Confidence is sexy. And I didn't have any confidence in myself because I didn't know how to deal with being overweight. I'd never been overweight before. And so it was a totally different mindset. And, and then at the same time, it, it affected our relationship in that I did become lazier just because of my lack of energy. I didn't have the same energy. I would, normally, I'm a very helpful husband, uh, father. Uh, but because of my lack of energy due to my poor diet and poor lifestyle uh, choices, 
Um, it affected how much I helped around the house. And, you know, my wife would complain about that and uh, cause conflict, even though all of this was on purpose and an experiment and it was temporary, it still affected us. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can totally <laughs> see how that would happen. And like you said that people, you were worried or people would treat you differently or look at you differently. Is that something you experienced? Like did people start to treat you differently based on your, you know, your appearance? Yeah, that's a good question, and, and what I tell people, you know, is that first of all, nobody was was mean to me or said anything rude to me or like pushed me over, or beat me up, or or nothing like that happened, right? Where someone did anything extreme, but it was more of how I saw people looking at me. Um, like for example, going to the grocery store, I would fill up my shopping cart full with uh, you know all kinds of cereal, all, all kinds of soda, all kinds of chips, and just you know at the checkout line, just be putting them on. And as I was checking out, and this one time I remember seeing these three women behind me kind of look at my belly, look at the food, and kind of glance back. And then I kind of noticed the, those types of looks, right, that I would get. And whether they were judging me or not, you, I felt judged. So it, that was a very uh, eye-opening experience because part of me wanted to say to those girls, hey, you know, I, I'm not really normally overweight. This is just an experiment. <laughs> Go to my website. This is what I'm doing. But I didn't say anything because it was good for me for the first time to be on the other side of it for once. And that's really, in my opinion, how I gained some empathy and some understanding of kind of what it's like. Because I'll never know exactly what it's like. I didn't grow up overweight. Um, So, you know, it just was very eye-opening and very humbling to go through that and kind of see it from the other side for once. And so that happened a couple times. Um, And, uh, yeah, you know, people would ask questions like, oh, are you – do you have a thyroid problem or it's happening <laughs> or are you going through like a, a divorce or what's going on? And, um, you know, I had to explain to them what I was doing. People were just surprised at how big I got. That sounds like such a humbling process. Like I'm trying to put myself in that position and see what I would do because I know I would want to do the exact same thing. Just say like, this isn't me. This isn't what I normally do. I promise. But like exactly. you owe nothing to them. You know, it's like, they just, they have, their opinions and thoughts on you is of no consequence to you. Yep. Yeah, but it still affected me because I, you know, I was struggling with dealing being overweight in public. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether people, like I said, like whether people were judging me or not, I felt judged and I was very uncomfortable in that situation. Mm -hmm. And how about like your, I mean, how old was your daughter at this time? She was only two, so she didn't really understand what was going on. She okay. didn't really understand that you know her daddy was 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 overweight. But it's funny because she's five now, and she looks at pictures of me fit and fat, and she's like, "Oh, daddy, your your tummy's big." <laughs> yep. And she's yeah. So it's kind of funny uh, how she looks at it now, and it'll be interesting as she grows older once she learns more like what the internet is and what social media is to see what she thinks of what I did, but. Anyways. <laughs> She'll be like, I want to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't know if we're going to talk about this. But you can cut this part out. But, you know, I recently did a mini fit to fat to fit journey with a gluten-free diet where I was eating gluten-free food, showing people that it, it just because it's gluten-free isn't healthy. So for two months, I ate gluten-free, gained 20 pounds. This time was harder because she saw me eating gluten-free cereal and gluten-free pizza and gluten-free bread and gluten-free pasta and she's like I want some of that and I'm like no you got to eat this food that I made for you and mommy uh, and so it was harder because she wanted the food that I was eating and I kind of had to make two separate meals and she was like well I don't want 
I don't want you know uh, broccoli. I want I want your your gluten free corn dogs or whatever I was eating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now that's really interesting. I think when I was looking on your website, I did see that gluten free, but I wasn't exactly positive what you were doing. So you were just yeah. eating a whole bunch of gluten free foods. Well, so what for for two months? I wanted to expose the unhealthy side of the gluten free diet because it's become so popular. It's such a fad now, and people are looking at the gluten free diet as a, a weight loss program, right? Because a lot of people are doing it, and so there's it's a billion dollar industry with new gluten free products coming out all the time. That people think, well, hey, this is healthier than this non gluten free food, so I'll get the gluten free bread or the gluten free pizza because it's healthier for me. When in reality, if they don't have celiac disease or gluten sensitivity, then really it's, it's just as unhealthy, if not you know, unhealthier than the normal you know, non-gluten-free foods. So for two months, I did that. I ate you know, all those processed gluten-free foods, gained 20 pounds, doubled my body fat percentage in, in just two months, and I was even exercising three days a week this time. Um, and then the next two months, I wanted to educate people on how to eat gluten-free the healthy way. So the next two months, I ate you know, naturally gluten-free foods, so whole foods. And uh, I'm showing people how to do it the right way, and I'm exercising the same amount three days a week, uh, but eating gluten-free the healthy way as I get back down. And it's interesting, this, is, this Saturday is my last weigh-in. So I'm, you know, I'm a few pounds off. I'll get my body fat tested on Friday, do my blood work on Friday to show how it compares to my baseline. And um, yeah, so it's kind of a mini version, uh, but it just kind of educating people on how not to do the gluten-free diet. And then if you do choose to be gluten-free, here's the right way to do it. Yeah. And I think that is so, so, so needed because there's such a huge difference between gluten-free foods and eating a gluten-free you know, diet versus eating a naturally gluten-free diet, like yes. <laughs> totally different things. And like, I remember people would ask me, like, do you eat gluten-free? And then there was a time where I was. And so I'd say yes. And they're like, oh, well, what's your favorite gluten-free bread? And I was like, <laughs> I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, I, I don't eat that either. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. So that's what I'm trying to, you know, make people more aware of of the types of foods that they should be avoiding, you know, a gluten-free donut is still a donut, you know, um, sugar is gluten-free, <laughs> so it doesn't mean it's, it's healthier for you. Yeah, exactly. Would you ever consider doing like a paleo, like all the way paleo journey and like putting on weight for paleo? <laughs> so here's the, the thing you'll, you'll learn about me, Madeline, is I have about six or seven other journeys in mind that I want to do. Um, that one is included along with a bunch of other things. I could do this type of journey with, you know, pretty much any fad diet, you know, whether it's vegan or paleo or vegetarian, showing both sides of, of these diets, um, the unhealthy side and the healthy side or the, the wrong way to do it and the right way to do it. Because now that they're so popular, people are like, oh, paleo cookies, paleo donuts, you know, paleo everything. Where you know really you're sub, you're finding all these substitutes to create something that you're trying to get away from in the first place, but it technically falls into that category, right? Of hey, this is technically vegan, this is technically gluten free or, or paleo, but doesn't mean it's always healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like a health question for you, I know yes. that certain actors and you know weight um, singers and all that stuff, like people in the spotlight, they'll lose a whole bunch of weight for a show or something and then they'll gain it all back on accident or whatever and some of these people like just from hearing stories and like reading things like they end up 
creating diabetes or like some different health problems, do you think a fluctuation in weight like this and like a diet could cause that diabetes? Like just for you personally with doing these experiments? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And, and honestly, I'll say I don't, I don't know. But that's why I always have a doctor monitor me throughout the journey to make sure I get back to not just my original weight, because I don't care about that. That doesn't show me how healthy I am. But to make sure I get back to my original uh, baseline of blood work, mm-hmm. you know, on so many levels, not just not just your your uh, um, your lipid profile, right? Your HDL, LDL, those kinds of things, but everything, hormones as well, um, to make sure I get back to where I was when I started. So the answer is I don't know, but yes, it is kind of risky, and I understand that. But that's why I always have um, blood work and and science and a doctor monitoring me to make sure I get back to uh, my original health every time. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I do need to be aware of that. I don't plan on doing these types of journeys every single, you know, month. That's why this gluten-free one was three years after my fit to fit to fit one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I need some time in between. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is super exciting. If you do a paleo one, I'm going to be following you very closely because okay. <laughs> I'm very curious to see how that would go. Um, yeah. So another question then, when you were losing this weight and like even with this journey and with your first journey, do you ever experience any kind of dysmorphic thoughts? Like when you get to a very nice lean shape, you look at yourself and you still think, I'm still not there. Or are you so focused on health and you're just one of those people that just, you know, you're so focused on health, you don't really have dysmorphic thoughts. You, you see what I'm saying? Does that question make sense? Oh, yeah, I do still have those dysmorphic thoughts. Um, even to today, I think it's just because I've, I've been in the industry for so long and I've kind of been obsessed with, you know, my body, you know, ever since I was, you know, little, I remember working out. But anyways, yeah, um, I, but I, I am pretty, now that I've done Fit to Fat to Fit, I am uh, more content and more appreciative of my body and I don't freak out or worry as much as I used to, right? Whereas before, if I missed a few days of working out, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting fat. Nowadays, I don't freak out as much. I know what to do. I know what to expect um, and I don't freak out and I know that this is a lifestyle change. This isn't some you know crazy diet where I'm trying to maintain 5% body fat for the rest of my life. It's, it, it is more about health to me. Um, but, but, you know, when I did fit to fat to fit, I was freaking out because I gained 75 pounds. I went from eight and a half percent body fat to 32% body fat in six months. And I only expected to gain 50 pounds, but I ended up getting 75. So at that point in time, when I started losing the weight, I was freaking out. Like, what if I don't get back to, you know, what if I don't look the same? (laughs) What if I have like saggy skin and all these stretch marks? And that, that, that part did freak me out. But um, I knew that this was something that I put myself at risk for. And if, if that happened, if I did get stretch marks or my body didn't look the same, then, then that was my fault, right? Because I did it on purpose. But at the end of the day, it doesn't bother me as much because I know so many people, thousands of people all over the world were inspired by what I did for, and they embraced a healthier lifestyle change. And so for me, that's totally worth all the risk if I can inspire people to embrace a healthier, a healthier lifestyle change to me uh, that uh, that makes all this worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, and one thing I think it's really cool about what you're doing is it shows that health is a choice. When you actually like, for a lot of people, they feel like their health or their weight, mostly their weight, not even health, is so out of their control that they try so hard to control it every single day, like 
persistently just like all over calorie counting and all this stuff because they think weight is something that's just going to, you know, totally slip out of their grasp and just go all over the place. But yeah. when you show people that health really is a choice and you can, you're in control already without having to stress about it, like simply making these small life, life changes, just like moving your body, putting nutrient dense foods in your body, this is going to help your body find, you know, equilibrium with it. It's going to find its healthy, happy place. Yeah. It's a choice. Like it doesn't have to be extremes. You can just be eating rich, whole foods and live like a nourished life. It doesn't have to be like so difficult <laughs> to, to be healthy. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. It, but it, it is tough for people. Like that's one thing I learned is it's so simple to lose weight and be healthy, right? You eat whole foods, right? Nutrient-dense foods and you exercise. And those two things are very simple. I think everyone knows that. But it's the mental and emotional challenges that people have that they can't overcome. So one thing I learned from, from eating all this food for six months was how much a food addiction is real. And it's so emotional that I didn't understand it before. Why can't people just stop drinking soda and stop eating the processed foods? It's, it's because it is so emotional. And there's, there's hormones involved and, and, and things like that. But um, it does come down to a choice, unfortunately. It does come down to, you know, are you going to eat that donut or are you going to eat your vegetables, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we're going to give in and, and eat that donut um, just because maybe we had a bad day or we're celebrating or it's a holiday. Um, and so it, it comes down to choices, yes. And one thing I learned was that, you know, it, it is simple, but it's not easy. And that's why one of my recommendations, you know, it, after talking about all this, is you need to have a support system, um, friends, family, an online community to keep you accountable. Because no matter who you are, whether you're you know the fittest person in the world, you're still going to have bad days where you're where you're going to want to give in. You're going to want to say, "Screw this! I'm eating a donut." <laughs> you know, I've had broccoli for six months straight. Um, or you're just like, you know what? I just don't have any motivation today. I'm losing my motivation. You're going to have those days, and so that's why you need to find a support system to help you along the way. Because in my opinion. It's so much harder to do this journey, go on this this transformational journey uh, by yourself. Mm -hmm. And like that's so fascinating, and interesting to me because I was telling you before this podcast, like I don't have that much experience or understanding of the addiction to foods. I still don't get it, and I still forget yeah. that that is very real. Like, I mean, I just I've never experienced that. I don't know what it's like. And whenever <laughs> I talk about the mental side of your relationship with food. Normally, I'm talking about control and like anxiety and like eating your feelings and you know, fear a lot of fear, but there is that chemical aspect, yeah. And like that, I'm just I don't even understand what kind of chemicals come into play like when you eat this way. I, what, are, what are they? So, yeah, and I've been learning about this um, just uh, recently about how you know things like leptin levels and your, your insulin levels. Uh, play a role and kind of set you up for, for failure when you're eating these types of foods and when you've always eaten these foods. So when you become leptin resistant and insulin resistant, how much harder it is to make it change because if your leptin levels are off, you're not getting the signals to your brain that you're full, right? Your body thinks that it, you're still uh, needing to gain fat and if your leptin levels aren't, uh, those signals aren't reaching your brain and telling your brain to stop, that's way harder than just saying, okay, well, just don't need it um, because those are real chemicals, you know, taking place inside your body 
And it's, it's hard for people to deal with that, but they don't know that's going on. And people from the outside don't know that's going on. They just say, hey, stop eating those foods. Don't do it. It's like, <laughs> it's like a drug addict you know, telling someone, hey, just don't do cocaine anymore. Why is it so hard for you? <laughs> or heroin or meth. You know, There's a lot of chemicals involved. And uh, that's why you know it's 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 hard to to not judge people, right? Uh, to say, look, you know, you're overweight. Stop eating that food. Um, it does come down to a choice, but there are some things involved that uh, that play a factor, and that's why it's important to um, have a support system to for two reasons. One is because you need a kick in the butt, right? You need someone to kind of say, look, you need to make a lifestyle change. You're, you're going to die, you're going to get type 2 diabetes, whatever, but then you also need encouragement and love and, and people letting you know that you're worth it to be healthy. Not so much skinny, you're worth it to be healthy, to live a healthy life because you don't know what you're missing out on. If, you, <laughs> if, you've, if you've had poor health your whole life, you have no idea what it feels like to be healthy, you're missing out on a lot because if you don't have your health, it's really, really, really hard to be happy in this life in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And so a support group is one really big aspect of regaining your health. What are two other that you would tell people to starting their journey if they have if they're still in that overweight phase, what are two other things that you would tell them are easy ways to start out um with losing the weight and just sure. getting back on track? Yeah, and this kind of ties into having a support system. Is first you need to publicly announce what your goals are. And I know this freaks people out, but if you, the more people you tell, look, I'm trying to make a lifestyle change, the more people you'll find out who your support system is, right? Hopefully, you don't have those friends that are like, oh, whatever, just come drink more soda, or you know, come drinking with us tonight. You know, you can have some cake; it's okay. Um, if you have those friends that are trying to sabotage you, those probably aren't the best <laughs> support system to have. But when you publicly announce it, you put yourself out there, you put your intentions out there, and uh, quickly you'll find who will help you along the way, who will keep you accountable. So I actually recommend people starting to post on social media their, about their journey, about their goals, uh, about their progress, right? Uh, post pictures of your meals on Instagram. Post uh, uh, you know, the results of your weigh-in or post about your struggles or even start a blog. I've had a lot of followers that have started a blog and kind of posted their progress and had their family and friends. It's kind of a private thing, but had them follow it. And that way people can check in with them and see how they're doing, learn about their successes, but also see uh, about their struggles. And uh, that's one of the first steps is to really publicly announce uh, what your goals are. And so that's one of the first things people can do. And then in, in a way, that kind of creates your support system for you because you find out who's going to support you and who's trying to sabotage you, right? <laughs> um, I, and, then, and then that's more on the mental and emotional side. On the physical side, a couple of things that people can do is one is to learn how to meal prep. And that is probably by far one of the most important physical things you can do to change your lifestyle because – if you don't know what you're going to eat and when you're going to eat it um, and you're trying to be healthy, most likely you're going to fall back into the fast food trap where you know you go out with friends and uh, you don't have any food prepared or um, you come home from a, a long day of work and you're tired and exhausted and there's no food in the house. Well, guess what? It's so much easier and more convenient to uh, just order pizza <laughs> or get fast food because it's cheap. And it's fast and it tastes really, really good. Um, but if you can learn to meal prep and have all your meals prepared in advance, you know, okay, tomorrow for breakfast, this is 
is what I'm having for my snack. This is what I'm having for lunch. This is what I'm having, and it's already ready to go. Uh, most people will be able to stay on track for the long term if they can prepare their meals in advance. Um, and we can get into specifics of how to do that maybe in another episode. Uh, but really, you, if you just take five to ten minutes each night before you go to bed, that's a great start to kind of uh, pack your snacks, get your meals ready to go in Tupperware containers or whatever, so you know what you're going to eat throughout the day. Um, dang it, there was one other tip, and I, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank, but it'll come back to me. So, yeah, oh. meal meal prepping is a really awesome, awesome strategy for getting started, and I still do that. Like I used to, man, Drew, I used to like I used to cook like forty five chicken breasts at a time. Like I would like the start <laughs> of the month. Because all I ate was chicken when I was doing these shows and like, you know, photo shoots and stuff. I just ate chicken like so much. And so I would cook like 45 and then I just spend like the entire Sunday in the kitchen. And this is the wrong way to do it, people. Yeah. <laughs> but like food wasn't fun, but I would do that and then have all the chicken for like a month and put it on the freezer all prepared. But now I like to make a lot of ground turkey and sweet potato fries and rice and like that that gets me a really long way and then I like to have other things throughout the week like yogurt like Greek yogurt and um, I do eat a lot of tempeh because um, oh, cool. I, I love tempeh so and that's really easy to prepare and like carrots like I don't know you can just chop up some vegetables and steam yeah. or saute some um, broccoli and stuff and like have your meats ready and that can go a really long way for sure. Yeah, and what and so basically, what we recommend people doing, and which works for a lot of people, is you spend about an hour or so Sunday night, which is usually an open night for people to to cook your an entree, pack your snacks, cut them up, and and have that ready to go for the next three days. So we cook our meals in bulk, right? So we'll do either a crock pot or a lot of chicken, and it's usually good food that you can you know that you actually enjoy, not just plain chicken. And steamed broccoli with no seasoning. <laughs> You're gonna get sick of that after the first day. So do something that actually tastes good. And a lot of our recipes actually taste good, but they're very nutritious. Um, and then we repeat that process again on Wednesday. So we change up all of our snacks. We change up our entree. So you never feel like, oh man, I gotta have you know chicken and broccoli again. It's something completely different. Uh, and we do that uh, on Wednesday night. And then that you're only cooking twice a week. You never have to worry about what's for dinner. You know everything's already planned out. And if you want to, you put it in separate Tupperware containers uh, so you know, and you can even label them if you want to, right? If you really want to get organized. But those are some of the, the tips we give to people that are learning how to meal prep. Um, and it seems to work for a lot of people. Yeah, those are, that's amazing tips. Um, and I've got another question. Would you recommend somebody else struggling with emphasizing with their clients, understanding what they're going through? Empathizing. I'm sorry, I said emphasizing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would you recommend that they do the same thing you did, or is that is it just like not for everybody? <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I definitely don't recommend doing the fit to fat to fit <laughs> thing. It definitely opened up my eyes. I felt like for me it was necessary. Um, but other ways you can gain empathy is really just sitting down and understanding someone from a, a, an emotional level and. It's kind of weird, but you know, it goes back to when people were kids and how they were raised sometimes, and there's very deep-seated issues. So you, it's not like you're going to have a client be like, okay, well, for the first hour, it's going to talk about your childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like That doesn't work. It's got to be something that you know and that's willing to open themselves up. But when, uh, what's holding them back from an emotional level, you can hopefully break through some walls 
and help them overcome some of those because a lot of these things are deep seated and uh, you know we might never know, you know when when it comes to some people. But I don't recommend every fit person doing this to gain a better understanding because it is risky. It is kind of crazy. And I don't think most people would do it anyways. <laughs> you know, another another recommendation is read my book. You can yeah. learn what I learned and learn from me, from me doing it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe just get the book because <laughs> that sounds like a much more enjoyable process. Exactly. <laughs> all right. And my last question for you, which I ask all of my guests on the show, what would be the number one tip you would give someone for strengthening their mind-body connection? Uh, this is a really good question. I actually had to sit down with my wife and talk to her, like what what she had a few ideas, and we kind of sat down and agreed on on one thing. There's so many things out there. There's there's many tips I could give for this, but this is going to sound kind of weird. And this is something that she does with her female clients, which works really well. And that is positive self affirmations. So what that is, and I, and I don't do these uh, because for me, I feel weird doing them, but when people open themselves up and repeat these positive affirmations, which are things like you, you say out loud to yourself, you know, I am beautiful, um, I like my body, I will make good choices today. When you say those things out loud, there's something uh, powerful about saying those things out loud to yourself and you hearing them every single day. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect throughout the day. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a bad day. But when you do those things every single day, having that those positive affirmations, uh, in my opinion, really strengthens that mind-body connection, right? It lets you know that you are a human being. You're here on this earth, and you are worth it to be healthy and fit and strong for you, for your family, for your kids. Um, and in my opinion, it's, it's something that's kind of weird. But it really does work, um, especially with women that might have body image issues, right? Um, that maybe don't like themselves because of the way they look. Um, but it can go for men as well if you're um, humble enough, I guess, to to go through with it. But you know, like I said, I'm I'm kind of prideful, <laughs> and I feel weird doing that um, in front of other people. So I might do something that something like that privately, though. So I love that probably more than anyone's ever answered that question because oh, that that's a that. it's a great answer because it I mean self-worth and you know believing anything about yourself it all starts within and your yeah. own beliefs and like it's funny you brought this up because I actually did this today and it's something I don't normally do but cool. I came back from um, CrossFit this morning and like I didn't have enough time to really shower or like do my hair <laughs> so I just put it in a bun yeah. Um, threw on some like, you know, clean workout clothes, still workout, but I went to the coffee shop and started working a little bit. And then I went to the bathroom and I saw myself in the mirror and like, I just, my face is kind of red and like my hair just looks out of place. And I was like, going to be like, Oh my gosh, I look so, and then I just said out loud, you look so beautiful. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. It's like not something That's I normally cool. do. Like when you're in that thought of like, Oh my gosh, I look awful to just yeah. like word vomit I look amazing like don't even yes. think about it just say it I look amazing makes a really big difference and then I smiled and then I left and then I was just like feeling good about myself because I just I said it and I thought it was funny so that made me smile and you know it just was kind of contagious so then I started to believe you know I look rocking today yeah <laughs> and it's interesting because there's people that do studies like on plants and one plant they'll say negative words to and the other plant they'll say positive words to and it's funny how interestingly these plants, you know, take shape differently. 
and the, they notice like a, a negative and positive effect from physical words that come out of our mouths. And so I know it sounds, you know, kind of hocus pocus, but whatever, it really does work. And uh, so that's really cool that you did that, Madeline. I, I'm glad you liked the answer and hopefully people can take that away and, um, and maybe that'll help build some self-worth. Totally. I know it will. So Drew, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This has been such a treat and I'm just so, so glad that you came on and you shared your story with all of us and everyone go out and get his book because it's amazing. Um, Drew, do you have anything else you want to share? No, I just want to say thank you, Madeline. Um, you can check out my website, fit2fit2fit.com. That's fit number two, fat number two, fit.com. Um, and those are all my, my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook handles as well as at fit to fat to fit But I just want to say thank you. And just remember, it's a lifestyle change, not a diet. And thank you so much. Of course. My pleasure. We'll see you later. Hey, have a good one. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com, where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex-fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening!